What's up, Aspire Leaders? I'm so excited about this conversation with Dr. Gerard Phillips, as we're going to be talking about how to build teams as a leader. But before we jump into that conversation, I just want to let you know that I'm super excited about this summer, especially June. I've got my calendar pretty much booked up, several announcements coming, but for one, we've got one conference that we've announced, which is with the Teach Better team, myself. Ray Hewer, Katie Meglin, and the team are going to be jumping on a cruise with Teach Your Heart Out as we're going to be boarding the cruise in Tampa. That's going to be June 29th to July 4th. So make sure you head over to teachbetter.com to find out more information and join the Teach Better team as we're going to be speaking quite a bit on this conference and having a lot of fun. Hopefully I'll have some more announcements here for you soon. But if you're interested in booking for June, July, or August, make sure you head over to joshdamber.com and send an inquiry through the contact page. All right, let's head over to the conversation as I have my good friend, Gerard, as we're going to be speaking about his leadership journey and the keys to building a quality leadership team. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Inspire leaders and Teach Better family, I am so excited to have my guest, and I was joking with him, it's a long time coming. I've been connected with this fantastic administrator for years. He is a part of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Also, we're going to talk about his podcast, the Squad Builder Podcast, and also about just the phenomenal things he's doing in education. So with that, Gerard, thank you so much for being on Aspire to Lead. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Like you said, long time coming. (laughs) I'm pumped and just ready to engage with you on this episode. That's awesome. All right, man. So let's talk about your background, your journey, because I know you have a lot of experience and you know, you're about to be one year at your own campus now. You're doing phenomenal things, like I said before, um, on your campus. And I'm so excited to talk about, you know, the steps to get to where you're at now and how you're building your team. But before we do that, we just share a little bit about your educational leadership journey. Yeah, definitely. So I always thought I would just be in the classroom. I got into coaching football, like sports. I just thought, you know, when you think about leadership, you know, that's a people always talk about making more money, but it really wasn't that because I'm thinking I can do other things, you know, teach summer school and other things like that to supplement. I just love working with the kids. But as I started, I think I want to I want to say Twitter kind of got me to that point where I really wanted to start looking at leadership because once I got on Twitter and I was connected with a lot of teachers through SatChat, getting getting free resources, implementing them in my classroom, and I just got to thinking, if I can do this with four, four classes, I was teaching eighth grade math, four classes of 25, 26 kids, what could I do with a whole building and having some influence? And that's what really got the wheels turning and Went back and got my master's in ed leadership. Didn't get a assistant principal job right away. The building I was in, I was afforded the opportunity to move up to be a dean of students. So in a grade seven through eight building with almost a thousand kids, all discipline was on me. Myself, along with working alongside the counselors. And we had 
like a social, I want to say it's kind of like a social work. I can't, I can't remember the specific title, but it was a contracted clinician from through a state agency and working alongside the school resource officer who was a state city police. It was all on me. So the two assistant principals and the principal kind of locked in on instruction, um, moving that needle. So I took a lot off their plate with discipline and I really, that's where I really learned how to up my game when it came to parental contacts when it came to working working with teachers across the building because when you're in your own classroom you just work with the teachers on your team so then when you when you're dealing with because i'm processing the referrals of all the teachers in the building so everybody got a different viewpoint on the code of conduct behavior so i got a lot of trial by fire there as well as being on my p's and q's and just soaking up everything like a sponge um, didn't take anything personal when I made mistakes and my principal or assistant principal had to, you know, coach me, correct some of the things I did. I didn't take it personal. I just I ate it and ran with it. And just all those life lessons in the trenches helped propel me to that assistant principal principalship. And I've had four print. I had four principals while I was an assistant principal between two different buildings and learned a lot from all of them. And everything I do is just bits and pieces that I've been taking from people and honing it and making it my own. I could go on and on, but that, my, my leadership journey has been has been wonderful. I, don't, I wouldn't trade any of my experiences that I had, good, bad, or indifferent. Well, Jared, let's talk about that a little bit more because I know you are extremely committed to growing as a leader and almost to the point of obsession. And I want you to touch on that because I know that's something that you're passionate about of you know, consistently growing and being better each day. And you already touched on a little bit about uh, the different leaders that you've learned from, but I just want you to kind of share what got you to the point where you are today. Where, where did that obsession come from? I want to say that that obsession really came from looking at my upbringing. My parents were awesome. They were amazing, but they weren't education people. Highly into their faith, church, three, four, five times a week. Um, my dad was a leader in the church, but he didn't have a world of education. He was, I want to say he was self-taught. Neither one of my parents finished high school, but I saw that they were able to take care of their family. So, I'm, so I always thought, if I just go a little further, what impact could I make? And once I got into it, I just became obsessed with like, never being mediocre and then I'm, I'm a big sports guy so i like i like basketball I like football and i just noticed and started paying attention to the greats and they just was obsessed with their craft and they didn't mind being different um and you know when you're in a classroom you really don't want to stand out but as the years went on i just got to the point of hey i just gotta be different and when i started noticing that the harder you work, the easier things got. I'll never forget a professor that I had at um my my in my undergrad named Dr. Leo Chan finance courses. He had this thing of once he would always tell us once you get used to working at a very high level, things become easier and normal for you. And I never forgot that. And when I when I came into leadership, I just came in and I observed the lay of the land and I observed the ones that were really getting after it. And I just followed their lead. Like I 
if those that are around that's just happy with, you know, coming to work, doing what you got to do and go home and nothing extra or the terminology of that's above my pay grade. I, that, that's that's just not me. I'm just so I'm, I'm 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 comfortable with where I am and I'm obsessed with getting better because it's, it's 2024 and I'm always thinking I don't know where my path is going to lead. But I never, for example, if my superintendent sees something in me in three or four years, I move in a different role and it's 2027. I don't want to be in that role. It's like spinning my wheels and it's things I've never seen before. I always want to be growing and getting better so that way no matter what role I'm in, it's never a situation of I've never seen this before. Um, let me always reach out to my bosses or always reach out to somebody else. I want to be able to think on my feet in the moment um, because people want to follow someone that can that can do that. Not Not saying they have all the answers, but that people know that their principal is going to work just as hard as them. They're going to see days where their principal, when they're, they may think they're the last teacher leaving and their principal actually may be the last one leaving or is going home. Like I'll go home and do my family stuff, things I got to do. And if I know it's something that's going to be that I'm going to have to deal with in the morning, I'm just going to go back to working and, and get ahead of it um, and, and set the tone. And that helps my teachers, you know, in serving them. So I'm just... I just want to be the best at what I do and be the best Gerard Phillips that I can be every day. And that obsession with just growing and getting better. I just know that the teachers I serve and the kids I serve and the families I serve are going to win. The more I get better, like Danny Bauer talks about. Love Danny Bauer. All right, man. Let's talk about complacency. Yes. <laughs> complacency is something that I think a lot of leaders deal with, especially the longer they're in a position. And you had talked about being in that AP role. And I know for myself, there were some times where I really had to combat that because it felt like Groundhog's Day, like the same things were happening each day. Uh, I knew my role. And, you know, for you, you know, being in those different leadership positions, I'm just curious. You know, how did you combat that complacency that may set in? For me, I just look at it as if I'm, it's, it's, it's January 2024. If I'm happy where I am, what's to say another pandemic might not hit in November yeah. of a different sort. And if I'm complacent where I am, November is going to throw me off my game. And from November Cause that's gonna be a whole set of new kids that'll be that I'll be serving in a different grade in November through the rest of the year. It's gonna be spinning our wheels, not seeming like I know what I'm doing, not like my staff frustrated um, because they they need a leader that they see getting after it. So when I'm coaching them or giving them feedback, they know that I'm not saying anything that they won't see me do myself. Um, and then just being. One thing about complacency is I think I always look at that student achievement piece. Um, we see all these reports um, coming out with, you know, the minimal growth in reading and math. And I know there's a, a lot of people say that we test kids too much or it's not all about the scores. Yeah, but schools and school district, we are graded on those. And it is what it is when everything is tied to common core state standards. So if, a student in my state of Delaware, if a fifth grader in my state is 
supposed to know X, Y, and Z by the end of fifth grade as the same one in the same fifth grade in Colorado, the, the playing field is level. So I don't have time for complacency because what if that fifth grader, him and his parent moved to Colorado and he's out there struggling and I've had that student for three, four years and did nothing to try to get him to proficiency. So looking at the scores and saying, oh, 40% of my kids are on grade level. Um, and then, then being complacent with that because it's up 10% from last year. No, it's got to, like, I, I'm a firm believer. I think we could do some astronomical things of seeing some huge growth in the teens and double digits and not just just being satisfied with um, so-and-so is always going to be low. That's that, that complacency mindset. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. You've been on campus for almost a year. I know you know you had shared before us recording that you had some shifts in your team. And I know your podcast, I know what you're about. You're, you know, you talked about sports to building your team. I want to talk about, you know, how you started to construct the folks that are in your admin. You know, what are some ways that you're constructing that? So that way you're really focused on winning. One thing I was looking for when, because I got, I had some key openings for a number of reasons. Some people, because I had just got there. So some people already several key positions already were transitioning because they had got other roles um, and they were up front of me when I got there. Some had promotions and some just were looking for a change due to some of the dynamics that, that I walked into. And I always, I'll never want to hold somebody back from opportunities, but it also offered opportunity for me, for me to start building a team in my image. So I started as we were interviewing very specific questions, trying to get to the factor of one. And a lot of people may may not may not see it this way, but once they get in the principal or the assistant principal seat, they'll know what I'm talking about. To me, that that trust issue is huge. Whereas you can have a a core team where you can you know, pick their brain about ideas. And that's a, a safe space amongst your core team, because if you got to, you know, present some options to staff, you don't you don't want that message getting out before it comes from you and the message not coming straight from the leader as it's supposed to. So looking at people that that I can trust in that also looking at people that's not going to always agree with me, um, not grandstand in meetings, but don't mind pulling me to the side like, hey, Doc, I don't agree with that. Have you thought about it this way? And giving me giving me like food for thought, like I, I definitely was not looking for yes people. Um, and I also was looking for people that had a resume where it looks like they were trending upward. But it looks like because they didn't have maybe specific experience in that one area or they may not have the right connections, they weren't. They didn't get a chance to sit in those seats. I, I was looking at people like that because, like me, they would be, they were be forever grateful for that opportunity, and they're going to get in the trenches with me. So I I'm I'm excited about 
um, some of the specialists I was I was able to hire, and then some of some of the teachers that I was able to hire to go along with um, the experienced staff that I already had. So it's it's a good it's a good mixture, and it's good that we are, we're all kind of starting out together because they they got to see me coming in February. And some of the people I hired were were not in my district or school. So they got to hear about when I got there in February, because our state is small, three counties were, were going to spread. So they got to see what the school environment was like in February. And then they got to see where it was at in the school year. And they got to see um, some things I was doing on, on social media, putting out there for my school. And I'm a firm believer in, the buzz that you create has to be authentic so that way people that actually work underneath of you can vouch vouch for you and i know i have staff members and team members that listen to podcasts that i'm on and whatever and that i think anybody can vouch like the stuff i'm talking about on here you could come right to my school and say nah he's he's really he's really doing that when he's trying to build build a team of course everybody not going to agree with it with certain ways I, I maneuver with, with building a team, but I'm laser focused on, I got a vision. I believe this is the right thing to do for kids. If you see a crack in some systems as a team member, come have that conversation because I will gladly, I will gladly admit like, Oh, you were right about that one. Let me let, let's move this way. We're going to run with your idea. Yeah, Gerard, building a team is probably one of the most important things to do as far as an administrator and probably one of the most difficult. So I love that you're talking about this and also putting out content on your podcast in regards to this this topic, because I think it's something that's not talked about enough, really, because when you're hiring someone, especially like you said, in key positions to an administrator, I mean, that can make or break a school, it can make and break just the, the environment you know, if it's a wrong fit, it is felt through the entire building. And so um, I love what you're talking about. And I hope everyone is is taking notes on, on what you're talking about in regards to building a, a solid team of administrators. Hey, Joshua, you said something about fit. Could I just take a 30 second segue on that? Of course, one? man. For leaders and aspiring leaders listening, there are going to be some times you have to stand alone and there are going to be some bold decisions bold moves that you're going to have to make that people ain't going to understand it but just that the fact that you have the as leader you have all the information that other people don't have because you're seeing it you're seeing everything from a macro level on a lot of things and um, like some people only see things from micro level and macro level, depending on what, what your role is in the building. The principal gets a, a vantage point from the macro and the micro. So you just, there are going to be some times where you're going to be standing alone and that heat is going to be underneath you. But if it's damaging culture, climate, getting in the way of your relationship with serving teachers and your relationship with serving parents, and even if it gets in the way, because a lot of leaders don't realize this, principals, you cannot have an adversarial relationship with your district office. So if you have, if there are some things that are getting in the way of your leadership that is causing adversarial relationship between you 
and departments and district office. You got you you just can't like keep kicking the can on the road every year. When it comes to team building, there may be some team members that may not be in your future um, two, three years if you want to be still sitting in that principal seat doing what's best for kids. So sorry about that, but I I had a mic drop and it's the 2024. I gotta give I gotta give people the real deal. No, I want you to be honest and I, I appreciate you know you sharing that because a lot of things about administration and leadership in the building or in the district that are unsaid and then you get in that role and then you're surprised <laughs> when you have to make some really tough decisions and so uh, team building relationship with the district all those things are, are huge so uh gerard i want to switch over to something that because you're you have your hands on a lot of things um and i know one of the reasons you're in the position you are now is because of your affiliation and engagement with state affiliation and leadership organizations and i'd love for you to talk about why that's so important for our listeners to get connected in that way and then also just what they did to you you know in regards to building you up as a leader so when i first got into um became an assistant principal it kind of was like um, my principal said hey you need to be a part of these organizations and they'll take they'll take the dues out of your check so it was here boom um, and I'll never forget the first year as being an assistant principal was when the NESP and NASSP were combined and it was in Philadelphia. Delaware is right close to Philadelphia. So um, the district uh, that I was in made sure that we we made it there. And the fact that some of the people that I had seen that I had seen on Twitter and that I had been following on youtube and other platforms i got to see them speak authors and things and books and blogs that i have read i actually got to see people up close and impersonal and i was hooked not starstruck but hooked on the the fact that how personable they were and it's like wow i'm like this is this is the way to go like i i gotta connect with people outside of just my local local area and it's been profound, like the people that I've met and gleaned from. Um, if I have an issue in my school, I can easily just send a, a DM or a text. Like some of these people, I got their cell phone numbers now. So it's like send a text message to guys that I'm connected with in Minnesota. And like, what are y'all doing out there to handle this? Um, are y'all seeing this in your schools? It's it, it's just profound. And then with our, with our state agency, been learning and growing and seeing how the different facets of educational leadership and some of the political ramifications when it comes to um, policy, practice, um, things in education that's coming out of Washington, D.C., you, you really get a holistic view of education. You're just not in a box and you get to see where you really can you may have an area of expertise that someone doesn't have. You can kind of get in where you fit in. And it's just, it, it's it's a good way to to meet people. And it's a good way to, because you just, you just never know if you're a principal and your wife is in a different profession and her job wants her to, her job wants to promote her and wants to move her to the state of Washington. And you you're not you don't want to be separated from your family so you go 
how cool is that to be like to know that you have three or four school leaders in that state that you're already connected with, whereas they're going to tell you some districts that are growing and may have some openings for you. Like you, you, you can't get that. You can search online, but you can't get that that up close and personal information by not being connected. Yeah, that connection is huge. And man, going to conferences and seeing, you know, speakers, authors, podcasters, and then having a chance to connect with them. It's always amazing just how generous they are with their time, their wisdom. Man, I, I've never regretted going up and, and talking with anyone at a conference, regardless if they're in the audience or if they're speaking or at a booth or something. I mean, like take advantage of that, especially uh, if you're connected with these organizations. And I can attest to that, draw. Uh, I've been attached to plenty <laughs> over the years, and uh, it's only been something that's wonderful as far as professional development and connections. So, uh, yes, definitely go outside of your your bubble, outside of your district, uh, make connections the best you can. I know you've talked about social media, um, but another way to to grow is through podcasts. And you, sir, have a phenomenal podcast, the Squad Builder Podcast, and I'd love for you to share a little bit about the origin story of why you created it. And, you know, for my listeners, I'd love for them, for them to jump on and, and take a listen too. So why should they uh, tune in each week? So Squad Builder Podcast kind of came out of as this teacher shortage seemed to be getting worse from everything I was hearing. In my world, it wasn't. In my world, when I became a principal, I still was getting quality applicants, still getting a lot of applicants for one job, whereas I would have been happy with my number three, the number third or fourth candidate if number the one and two declined it. So I got in, I got in my mind, I need to create a platform or a space to talk about how we get over the teacher shortage, how we be creative on building our teams and maintaining our teams. And another thing is, how do we not be complacent with keeping people in front of kids that shouldn't be in front of kids? That's the part of stuff. That's the part of it that a lot of people, a lot of people don't want to talk about. Um, one of the principles that I had as a teacher that I admired, um, he said something one day and it didn't really click. But then when I became a principal, all those lessons kept coming back. He has said, you want to create classrooms and spaces where that if your own kid or later on life grandkid sat in that classroom you will be satisfied and then i expounded on it of i want to create a space where i want to create a school where parent comes in and says okay where do you think i'm coming from i'm coming from new york my kid has a b c ding ding d boom 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 where what class are you gonna put him in where i can look around and say Okay, he's a third grader. I can put him anywhere. I can put him in any, any of my third grade classrooms. And my current school, we are we are definitely we definitely getting there. Where I'm I'm excited about every learning space and the different things teachers bring to the table. And I think the Squad Builder Podcast aims to help school leaders, everybody, get to that point, as well as even getting to. And I know. A lot of interviewing processes are confidential, so I kind of hit the surface level with that. But I really want school leaders to really get to the point where even their their interview processes starting to really look at those diamonds in the rough who 
who they may not answer all the questions like num like the first or second candidate because they may not be privy to all the buzzwords or they may not have been privy to a lot of leadership opportunities or teaching opportunities if they were a para but seeing some hunger and fire in a person and giving them a shot and not being afraid to roll their sleeves up and and coach them because a lot of times as principals it's hard doing the coaching so it's like you kind of want to you kind of want to get people that's ready made because it makes it makes your job easier. But sometimes those diamonds in the rough that are going to get in there and the fact that Dr. Gerard Phillips gave me a shot, I'm going to have his back. Ain't nobody going to down him around me. Um, I'm going to make sure I bring some other some other people that's looking for a change to him. That that's what that's the climbing that the Squad Builder podcast wants to create and we want to expound on that and keep bringing on bringing on leaders that's not even from education. Like I, I had a a CEO of a construction company on one episode, um, one of the biggest construction companies in our state that builds a lot of schools, and he was really, really bringing some knowledge that I've been able to apply to my leadership. So, not just educational leaders, but leaders from a whole bunch of different backgrounds, seeing the different things that other sectors do that we can do in education to build and maintain our teams because the stronger our teams are the more we're going to be able to help kids oh that's so true and i I love that on your podcast that you're going outside of education because there are so many quality leaders in other sectors that we can steal from i mean education isn't on an island we should be you know making sure that we're you know tapping into other businesses and and leaders you know in our area or around the country too so Fantastic job on your podcast. For anyone that's listening to this episode, definitely check out Draw Phillips' uh, podcast. And I want to kind of ask about an actual step now, because at the end of our conversation, I love that folks are tuning in and hearing your wisdom. But at the same point, I want them to go out and do something to enhance their leadership journey. So if they're to do something tomorrow or next week, you know, Draw, what would you recommend them do? The first thing, because I'm, I'm hearing a lot of this here lately in education, where for people like me and you, this would like we would kind of have a raised eyebrow. A lot of people, aspiring leaders and current leaders, aren't really delving into literature like they should or reading. So I think the first thing is leaders or aspiring leaders. What's the one thing that you're passionate about? Because that could be the niche that lights education on fire. Whatever that one thing is, go find an author in education that's writing about it and follow their work religiously. For example, if you are an aspiring leader and let's say you're a counselor, SEL interventionist, and that is your wheelhouse, go pick up all the work you can or pick up one book on one of Brene Brown's books and dig in. And it's so, it's so many different educators. If you're a aspiring leader, but you know, once I get into admin, I don't want to be bogged down with discipline. I want to still have instruction at an all-time high. Go go pick up something that's going to light you on fire like kids deserve it. Just so many, like, I think that's the first step of leaders need to be readers. That That's the first step. And then I think the second step is, and I think I did a post about this a little bit, after the whole, you know, 
Club Shay Shay podcast was on fire. I kind of made a post of for people like me and you podcast, like we'll listen to like if we got a two hour drive. We might we might listen to what 15, 20 minutes of music tops. The rest of it is podcasting. I just think that everybody needs at least three to five go to podcasts and and there's nothing wrong with music, but while you're in that vehicle or while you're exercising, or even if you're just sitting on the couch and let's say that favorite show of yours that's trending every week that 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 you're gonna that's gonna take you an hour to watch. Sometimes substitute that hour for a podcast. Uh like I know it could sound it could seem clicheous, but for aspiring leaders and for people trying to build their teams, I think them the first two steps. Did find dig into something, find something to read, an author that's hitting on those topics and delve into it, and find you three to five go to podcasts because I found you can you can listen to interviews on a TV show all day long of a person that wrote a five hundred page book. You'll gain so much more from what they put pen to pad than what you're going to gain from just listening to that interview. I, I think that's 2024. I think that's huge as leaders, that literature piece. And you got you got to be the, because the podcasts come from people that's actually doing the work like. And they they have firsthand knowledge because they're actually doing it like you. You're you're interviewing leaders all the time. So. Listening to your podcast, they're going to glean, glean stuff from you. They're going to glean stuff from your guests. Well, I think you touched on something really important there, which was what are you passionate about? Because I think that's something that gets lost quickly for leaders, for administrators, because of the busyness of the job, uh, some of the tasks that take so much of your time. And I know for myself, I had a pretty much every year reset and say, okay, what are my passions? What have I lost track of? What do I need to dig deeper into and set time for to make sure that, you know, I'm feeding into myself and my passions and, and things that are obviously going to enhance the campus, but at the same time, that's going to keep me alive and keep me wanting to come to work, wanting to, you know, keep that fire burning and not be complacent like we talked about earlier. So I, I love that, but yes, definitely literature. I mean, you can see behind Gerard, you can see behind me, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, we've got books galore, and this is just a small percentage of what's in my office. <laughs> so I'm consistently, you know, digging into to literature and reading, um, just like Gerard's saying, but podcast too. I mean, man, I, these earbuds, my family probably gets sick of seeing it, but if I'm washing the dishes, I'm, I'm doing work around the, the yard, you know, I've got podcasts in my ears. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, I got to laugh about it because I'm glad I'm not. I'm, I'm glad I probably the only want to get in trouble with my wife for that. No, you're not alone, buddy. <laughs> it's like, honey, I'm, it's like, honey, I'm, I'm really not. I'm really not ignoring you, but this podcast had like ten minutes left, and I really like you know, pulled up in the yard, and I didn't want to stay in that in the in the car and listen to it. So I, I really need to finish it. <laughs> no, you are not alone. And Drod, I want to actually thank you because you are extremely passionate about leadership, but you're also always growing and. You do that in multiple ways. I was on the Focus Ed podcast, and that is a little bit different setup where they actually invite folks to to come into like a Zoom room and you know listen to the interviewee. I had a chance to be on that podcast, and I was looking to see you know who was joining me, and I saw you there taking in the podcast episode before it even dropped you know online. It was great to see a familiar face. 
I don't know if I ever got a chance to thank you for being in attendance, but it made, I don't know, I was at ease uh, during the interview. I felt like because I had someone there that that I knew um, was connected with, it was fantastic. So I want to publicly on this podcast, thank you for that. I love that you're growing consistently. I love the work that you're doing. I'm so proud of what you're doing on your campus this year. You're killing it. And um, also just love that you're on the Teach Better Podcast Network. So with all that, thank you so much for what you do. But then also thank you for joining me tonight. No, I'm I'm honored. And it was great to see when that that got put out there and that you were going you were the guest. I'm like, and I had a meeting that day and I'm like, nah, gotta cancel. I gotta go, I gotta go support my gotta go support my my colleague, gotta go support my friend. Like he he's he's showing up at my state. <laughs> I got to go support him. Well, I appreciate it, my man. Like I said before, uh, it's been a long time coming and it's been such an honor, not only to be connected, but then also to have a chance to amplify you tonight. And uh, I just can't say enough about the work that you're doing. So everyone, you know, make sure that you're connecting with Gerard. We'll have the links online at joshtemper.com. And then of course, you know, make sure that you're hitting that subscribe button on YouTube as we're growing both not only on this channel, but then also at Teach Better. Um, that community is growing every single day. And with that, I want to conclude and, and thank you again, Gerard, for, for being on the podcast. No, thank you.